my mm. clitoris started going numb. Mm. And this is what happens for many women. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> no way I'm living with that. And no woman should ever have to live with that. Imagine if a man's penis went numb, what the medical industry would do to resolve yeah. that. Yeah. So testosterone really gave me that boost. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Back to the Body. In this episode, we talk a lot about pleasure across the lifespan. Do you want more pleasure in your life? Because it is possible. Our sponsor, Back to the Body, is a sexual wellness retreat for women. Back to the Body hosts these immersive week-long retreats that transport women to beautiful locations where they can express and explore themselves and their pleasure in a nurturing and non-judgmental environment. They also have a cool little tool, their new Back to the Body sexual wellness quiz for women. It is a chance to learn about your unique obstacles to sexual wellness, like what do you want, what's holding you back, and how you can hopefully overcome those barriers. Barriers. You'll leave knowing the next best steps and what services are out there to support you. Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz. Unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's back to the body, B A C K T O T H E. B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is in the episode's description, plus a special discount code for their retreats. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Eva Clay. She is an acclaimed sexologist, psychotherapist, and professional troublemaker whose mission is to illuminate the menage a trois of soul, sex, and science. She's helped thousands of couples transform conflict into harmony. And as a former professor of neuroscience, she bodaciously reminds us that smart is sexy. Her work is an elegant marriage of the profound and the playful, and she's the founder of the Institute of Intimacy Arts, excuse me, for Intimacy Arts. She offers private coaching and courses for women's erotic empowerment, including Aphrodite's Circle and the Path to Pleasure. When she's not teaching, you'll find her making mayhem on a dance floor. And today we're going to be talking about neuroscience, menopause, a bunch of different things. Welcome, Eva. Hello. Great to be here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, so... I have to start with the science because um, I think we're both sciencey people in some way, shape, or form. Um, so, as a former neuroscience professor, why is neuroscience important when we're talking about sex and desire and pleasure? <laughs> That's such a great question. I I get that from my clients all the time. It's it's uh, to me so fundamental to have a working understanding of not only the brain but of the 
nervous system and the brain body connection. Most people come to me believing that sex is a genital event and it's actually a neurological event. I love the way you said that a genital event. (laughs) 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 Yes. So um, it's really core to how I work and what I teach. Oh, say more about that. So a neurological event, what, what makes it a neurological event? Yeah. So you'll find that when I, when I teach and when I explain things, I really break it down to the most simplistic of terms and not everybody is turned on by neuroscience like you and I are. (laughs) So sorry, not everyone's turned on right now, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, to me, it's like the sexiest thing. Um, and what I mean by neurological event is that at all times, our frontal cortex is appraising our environment, is appraising the experience. And of course, then the nervous system is also regulating according to that appraisal. So I'm really into frontal cortex activity, like understanding how your frontal cortex, which is the kind of watchtower of the brain and the body, is filtering every experience and making meaning out of what you're experiencing. So for example, a tickle, somebody tickling you in a particular part of your body, Emily Nagleski talks about this in Come As You Are, somebody tickling your body can be appraised in many different ways. It could be appraised as foreplay or turn on or total annoyance or even anger. Mm -hmm. And so how you make meaning of your intimate relationships and even a particular moment with an intimate lover yeah. Is going to inform down the chain. It's going to create a cascade of response in the body and in the genitals in how we experience desire, turn on, arousal, pleasure, orgasm. And so that's what I mean. It's a neurological event. So mm-hmm. when I'm teaching this or working with couples, I'm always looking at how are you appraising this? And often the, the appraisal is super loaded. Um, it's loaded with all of the contents of the relationship, it's loaded with our trauma, with our programming, our cultural conditioning, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we really have to get into that. Sometimes we could call it mindset, like your sexual mindset. I'm really big in looking at. Totally. And, and so the brain is the central operating system of the rest of the body is the most erotic part of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read a beautiful quote on your website that I think relates to this. And it says, I learned the necessity of pleasure as healing medicine and that safety has everything to do with sex drive. Um, I love this concept of pleasure as medicine. This is something that I say a lot to clients that like pleasure is a necessary human survival mechanism. It's also for healing. I think a lot of folks out there feel like they either aren't deserving or ready for pleasure until they like are healed in some type of way, as opposed to this concept of pleasure as medicine. And, and then when I think of pleasure, I also think of play. Um, and you said that in your, in your bio. And so I'm curious what you feel like is the necessity of this play and safety in order to utilize pleasure as a healing medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I've trained in trauma for many, many, many years and it's, it's not, like an emphasis for me right now, just because I'm retired. I, I did it for so long. Mm-hmm. And, but when I, when I, hard teach to about, not burn out with that much trauma work, you know? I, and I did, you know, for 20 years, I ran battered women's shelters and rape treatment clinics. And so, 
now I'm just like, you know, I, I focus on play, which is really important but, for my soul. <laughs> yes. But I think I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think like that is trauma work in a different way. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Thank you. I'm so glad that we're <laughs> you don't have to answer my question now. <laughs> yeah. And well, no, I'm glad we're we're still on the same page about this because um, you know, there are really many ways of working with trauma or uh, you know, I would say addressing trauma. And I'm not gonna get too clinical with this for your listeners, but one door in to healing trauma is to actually um sort of re- organize the event and how that happened for you and to like release as a catharsis all of the trauma material etc and like work through it maybe in the more conventional way we think about healing traumas to like work through it mm-hmm. and the other door in is through pleasure and play and you can literally replace the traumatic material in your body with pleasure and when you begin to entrain the brain and begin to develop neural pathways for pleasure and play it literally sort of it starts to erase the traumatic scripts and pleasure energy is healing energy because we need to be approaching our healing in this sort of foundation or this context of worthiness and joy in order to really heal the trauma like i i always tell people don't get too serious about your healing Mm. You know, that, that, and, and from a chemical perspective, let's talk about the science from the neurochemistry, what creates neuroplasticity is, um, this, what I call the pleasure cocktail, this synergy of dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins. And when those neurochemicals synergize together, it creates highly plastic states in the brain. So you're actually able to heal and transform in a more accelerated way. Mm. when you've got these neurochemicals online for you. So sure, like do the deep work of healing trauma and some of that can be excruciating and much of it can be liberating and joyful at the same time, but make sure you're getting pleasure in some way, shape or form while you're doing it because you're going to heal faster. And also when you're learning, I think so much of, of healing involves learning. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like re-educating yourself about your world and about your body. And anytime we're learning, we also want to enter a heightened state of neuroplasticity because the brain grocks it faster and better. It embeds in our memory faster when we're coupling that learning experience with pleasure. Yeah. And for folks who don't know, I don't want to tell me if I'm watching this definition a little bit, but neuroplasticity is like the brain's ability to to shift and change its pathways, ultimately, hopefully leading to shifts in belief systems or behaviors or things like that. Is that, is that right? <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly right. It's, it's yeah. Think, thanks for naming that. Sometimes I get a little too geeky, but yeah, neuroplasticity is your brain's ability to change. And here's one example I really want to drive home is that yeah. we're talking about healing trauma. We're talking about um, learning and education and re-educating yourself. But think about this. How many of you actually want to change the way you think about yourself mm. or change the way you see yourself? Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about things like body image, how you see your body, your self-worth, your self-esteem, your confidence, yeah, all of this is accelerated when it's coupled with pleasure. So pleasure actually changes the way you see yourself. When you look in the mirror, 
and you focus in on one particular part of your body that you habitually criticize, your thighs, your breasts, your whatever, and you have learned to couple seeing your body with some kind of sensual or even cerebral pleasure, you think of something happy, you do a dance, you touch yourself in a way that you like, then you begin to see yourself fundamentally differently and you begin to see what's good about you because you're working to shift those neural pathways in the brain that habitually go to the negative. Well, and I don't know about listeners, but for me, when I see that I'm like pleasure able in bigger, more expansive ways, I feel more confident. So I think when we're able to see that we are pleasure able, um, that feels nice. (laughs) That feels confidence inducing, I think. That is the ground floor to confidence. And I will tell you as an aside, um, you know, I've been studying women's psychology for 25 years and I consider myself a scholar of women's psychology. And inside of that is my mission is to empower women. And I have studied vastly how to do that um, (laughs) from every different angle possible. And the most potent and most accelerated form of empowerment for women is sexual pleasure because of what it does to the brain. So for folks who are listening, who are like, I want that, but where the fuck do I start? <laughs> Any tips in your, in your scholarship of, of women's psychology that you feel like are some, like give us a little couple point crash course of like where to begin um, if you feel like you're needing more of that in your life. To begin resting your attention on pleasure, like literally name five things every day that bring you pleasure because our neural pathways will automatically land on the negative because of what we call the negativity bias. So I'm sure you know this, Nicoletta, but our brains are entrained to always find the negative of every situation. And this is a survival mechanism. Yeah. Why do they do that? (laughs) This is evolutionary psychology to help keep us alive. So, so are you saying us anxious folks are just more evolved because we're so good at looking at the uh, the negative outcomes that could possibly maybe never happen? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you're very good at surviving because you're hyper aware. Like the, I think the, the, that's the key word, surviving, right? And we're not meant to stay in that state for extended periods of time. It's exactly. exhausting. It's exhausting. That's no fun. And like your kind of gears get stuck in that state. Well, and like you said, I I mean, I don't know as much of the neuroscience. So tell me if you, how you might add to this, but just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying before, like the, the, the importance of pleasure, like our body, you know, potentially if we're really triggered and activated, we may physically be able to feel some like unconscious pleasure sensations, but usually we can't be in like a full big experience of pleasure when we're in survival mode because you're not maybe sometimes for people who are really activated by adrenaline, um, Some people might feel orgasmic if they're running from a lion, but most of us aren't feeling super connected if we're like, I'm trying to survive. Yeah. And that's mother nature's wiring again. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of if you're turned on by adrenaline, if that's kind of your stripe, but um, mother nature says, if you're being chased by a saber toothed tiger, it's not a good time to lay down and open your legs, so to speak. Like it's, you know, it's not a good time to to procreate because you're literally in the most vulnerable state possible Mm -hmm. during lovemaking or during arousal. And so that safety and surrender is intrinsic to our pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so 
if you're a very anxious person and you're focused on survival and that's just kind of where you lean, I would say there's a spectrum of between depression and anxiety. And we all kind of naturally have proclivity somewhere along that spectrum for multiple reasons. But if you lean towards anxiety, here's the thing, you know, the negativity bias is really important survival mechanism because if you're eating, let's say a batch of berries and the red berries are delicious and the blueberries make you sick. Evolution wants you focusing on the blueberries that made you sick so that you avoid them. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to stick to the negative aspects of any experience unless you do the work to reroute that attention. And this is the work that happens during meditation. And this is what I'm talking about with noticing pleasure. The more that you notice what brings you pleasure, you begin to just kind of reroute that groove in your brain. And yeah. suddenly you're you're noticing all kinds of good things. And what's most important is not that you notice good things in your environment, but that you notice good things about yourself. Mm-hmm. And when we notice good things about ourselves and our body and our lives, it automatically opens us up to more pleasure. And then we notice what's good about our partner. <laughs> That's a really important one for couples. Notice yeah. what's good. So um one of my teachers, Rick Hansen, he has this approach called taking in the good. Mm-hmm. And it takes 20 seconds to affix your attention on a pleasurable event, experience, or sensation. 20 seconds of that in order to start to reroute the neural pathway. So if you can name five things, this is in response to your question for your listeners. If you can name five things that bring you pleasure every day, you're going to get yourself on that good state. Yeah. And for folks who are maybe having trouble finding those five good things, I like to invite folks to at least see if they can find like the neutral or the factual. So like if you're struggling to be able to to really like relish in the things that are beautiful, positive, whatever about you, the situation, your partner, um, at least see if you can find something that's neutral. Like, oh, I didn't puke. <laughs> oh, my body stayed awake during this or like, oh, my toes don't hurt or like my eyelashes feel fine. You know, like whatever you can find to start it. I think for folks who are really struggling, that's a good way to start. I've seen. I love that. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Because it's hard sometimes to come up with the five things, you know, like, like you said, we're more evolved or trained to look at the negative. So to start that out can, can feel like a big task. Yes, it can. I, and I love your idea about the neutrality and um, the way that I give people a kind of jumpstart on this, if it's a challenge, is to find sensual pleasures, like stand in the sunlight and feel it on your skin mm-hmm. or s- smell a beautiful flower or some essential oils or like at the, at the mm-hmm. level of, or when you're taking a shower, notice how good it feels to lather your body. And these everyday things that we do, and we just kind of breeze through them without being mindful about the experience. Um, I find that, yeah, that can be really fun too. Yeah. Hey, Slutty Scholars. Remember, the more you support the advertisers, the more you support the podcast. Is this episode resonating with you? Then you might like our sponsors Back to the Body. I like to advertise things that I hope will help you find more pleasure in your life. 
Back to the Body is a sexual wellness retreat for women. Do you all remember my episode with Pamela Madsen? Well, if you haven't listened yet, we talk about my awesome experience at a Back to the Body retreat. Honestly, my week at the retreat was pleasurable, fun, and connected. It was a great gift that I gave myself and super worth it. Pamela and her team at Back to the Body use their expertise to guide you through a transformative whole body healing journey that's individually tailored to fit your specific needs. To find yourself, you just have to bring your body. The new Back to the Body sexual wellness quiz for women is a chance to learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness and to find out a little bit more about Back to the Body's offerings. Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz. Unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's Back to the Body backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is also in the episode's description, and don't forget there's a special discount code there for their retreats. Now back to the episode. Something you have been talking a bit more about in your work lately is menopause, and I think this is an important thing to consider here because I think for a lot of folks who are we're all aging, (laughs) our bodies are shifting and changing all the time. this is something that can really shift for folks in that time. And, and I think it's at the intersection of all the things you were talking about. One is the mindset, right? Like we are taught that once we are past our fertility prime or whatever, that we are not pleasure able anymore, right? There's all this stigma around it. And then there are physical changes in the body. Um, so I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, yeah, what what menopause stuff is kind of been bringing up for you? What are you finding is like a key to navigate that? And even for folks listening who aren't there yet, how can we start to engage that neuroplasticity so that when it happens, um, our pleasure doesn't have to stop? Yes, yes. I've been talking a lot about menopause. It's really important because there is such an absence of this conversation happening, especially in sexuality. And as I've been going through my own menopausal journey, it's shocking mm. how little support there actually is. So that this is a, a big passion of mine at the moment. And I'm now 52 and just became fully menopausal, meaning I haven't had a cycle in over a year. Mm-hmm. And I've been for five years in this journey between perimenopause and full menopause. And um, I have to say, it really kicked my ass. It doesn't have to be that way for you. For many women, they breeze through it. But I want to bring this conversation into the collective more and more. So definitely your pleasure does not have to end. And for many, many women, it doesn't. So I want to bust that myth. And I want to begin that by saying I'm having the best sex of my life and I'm more orgasmic than I have ever been in my entire life. (laughs) I mean, my orgasms now are like crazy off the charts. Really? Yes, yes. And if you don't mind answering, actually, a question I've been asking guests uh, on the podcast this season is what's the most pleasurable thing you've had happen lately? So it doesn't have to be sex, but it could be anything. Like you said, it could be the the sun shining on your skin. But um, if you'd be willing to share, what's a awesome pleasure that you've had recently? Well, uh, you will hear my kitty meowing maybe in the background right now. Um, The most pleasurable thing that I've had lately would have to be lovemaking with my partner. Um, For me, menopause has brought this 
incredible new dimension of sexuality into my experience. And I already was kind of like a sexual alien as my boyfriend calls me. He's like, what planet are you from? He calls me Orgasma. <laughs> Wait, I love this. I have a little alien tattoo. So this sexual alien thing is very exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So but what menopause has opened for me mm-hmm. is a new kind of like disregard. And here's the cool opportunity about menopause. Like naturally, it it's one aspect of this definition of menopause is that estrogen declines. And estrogen is the hormone that makes us care what other people think of us. And I find this fascinating. And it's because of when your reproductive years, you're driven towards belonging. And that's because if you become pregnant and have a child, you really need the village, you need mm-hmm. the support of the tribe. And when you lose that estrogen, you lose your fucks. <laughs> your fucks are gone. My fucks are gone. And that is so liberating. And I can't yeah. tell you how much better it feels. And so with that, my pleasure has become paramount. Um, it's more important than how I look. It's more important than the relationship itself, even. Like I call lovers facilitators. It's, it's interesting though about the estrogen because you're saying like a decrease in that makes you give less fucks. Is that right? And, 100%. and a lot of people need to take things like estrogen during menopause to help with like um, their skin elasticity, with memory, uh, with other things. Um, and some people need to take other hormones as well. So that sounds tough because on one hand, it's a balance, like maybe less of it is a thing one can celebrate, but your body may need it to function in other ways. Yes, I am on estrogen. I am on three different types of hormones. All of the reproductive hormones I am on. And I'm a big proponent of hormone replacement therapy. Yes, Yes. let's just bust this myth now. There's also a great New York Times article, if you subscribe to New York Times, called Women Have Been Misled About Menopause. Um, And again, we're not your doctor, so I can't say for certain for you. But in general, there was this like one study a long time ago um, that said that like taking hormones can increase your risk of breast cancer. For some people who may have a proclivity to breast cancer, that may be true by a slightly small percent. And this stopped so many doctors and physicians physicians and uh, lay people from getting access to life-changing hormones during their later years. And it is really sad and based in like science that was disproven. But a lot of doctors still unless you're going to a sexual medicine specialist or a hormone specialist will tell you not to take hormones. Did you have that experience when you were seeking treatment? It's appalling. So I'm really glad that you are hip to this drive and that you read the New York times article. I'm really impressed as actually as a woman who's not menopausal yet, because most women who are not menopausal are in their own silo about it and they're not prepared for this transition. Um, I was not told not to take hormones, but I am a big fan of naturopathy. So I work with naturopaths, which turns out they have their own bias too. So Mm. for a couple of years, I was on all bioidentical hormones and I was told like, this is the healthy hormone. This is the way to go. Don't do conventional hormones, et cetera, et cetera. But every faction of our medical care has their own bias Mm -hmm. all the way from pure Western medicine to functional medicine, to naturopathy, they all have their bias. So this is why I'm strictly allopathic. And what is uh, allopathic? 
meaning all paths, mm. like all paths have their truth. Yeah. Now I'm on all synthetic hormones and I feel so much better. And there's going to be, there's going to be a huge amount of comments about this podcast. <laughs> People saying it's like synthetic hormones are terrible. I only do bioidenticals. Well, bioidentical hormones are also an industry. There's big pharma and then there's big natural. Yeah. So every branch of medicine, big natural, I haven't heard it described that way. And this, this is a word that I took from the book, menopause manifesto, the menopause manifesto, which I highly recommend. And it busts a lot of myths about hormone replacement therapy. So there's not one path that's the correct path or the best path or the least, least harmful path. And there are a lot of women who are menopausal that will say, I made it through without hormones as if that's some kind of accomplishment. It's not, it's just your individual body. So if you're approaching this transition or you're in the transition of menopause or you're post-menopause and you're not feeling good, consider hormone replacement therapy. Get yourself tested, get to a doctor. Don't just take their word for it, but see a few different doctors. Get a second opinion. And I want to tell this story really quickly, if that's okay. As a short aside is that a few months ago, six months ago, maybe I went to my regular OBGYN and I'd been seeing a naturopath, you know, different naturopaths for many years to help me through the menopausal transition. Mm -hmm. I decided let's just go see an OBGYN and see what they say about hormones. So I saw this one who was very young. She's maybe in her mid thirties. And, um, she's, she said, well, I don't know how to do bioidentical hormones, so I can't really help you if that's what you want. I, I don't know how to prescribe that. So I looked at the roster of doctors in the office and I said, hmm, I want to pick the oldest doctor who for sure has been through menopause and she's going to understand what I'm going through. And I went and I saw her. She ordered labs for me. The labs came back testing my hormones, but there was a mix up in the office and I was still registered under the care of the younger doctor. So I got test results from two different doctors on the same test. Mm. Both of them called me to give me the results of my hormone test. The younger doctor. Like a double blind experiment sort of thing. (laughs) Exactly. And the older doctor, they both called me to give me the results. The younger doctor said, they look normal. They're normal. The older doctor said, holy shit, you're flatlined on all your hormones. We got to get you on ASAP. You're at risk for uterine cancer. You're at risk for cervical cancer. You're at risk for osteoporosis. We got to get you on now. And she gave me a big blast of all the hormones. Uh (laughs) And I feel so much better. I can't even tell you. Like, And my whole situation has improved. But had I just taken the advice of that one doctor, I would be suffering. So I share this message to your listeners in that you really need to be your own advocate through this experience. And like learn all the things, make yourself an expert in menopause. Which is so hard when you're having brain fog or hot flashes or uh, or just a, a, anyone at a medical office because it's hard to advocate for yourself to a doctor because folks often get the response of like, are you the doctor kind of vibe, right? Um, and, and look, we can't tell you listeners like what to do with your body. And so if you decide to go the naturopathic way, if you decide to go the synthetic way, like whatever, to me, what's important is having all the information so that you can make an informed choice about your body and decide what to do. But if you don't have all the information, is it really a choice? You know? 
Exactly. No, it, it's really an opportunity for you to love yourself so radically that you advocate for your health. And it takes some gumption. But, yeah. um, so that's why I say, don't just take one doctor's opinion. Yeah. You know, we're talking about hormone replacement therapy now, which is really important, but it's also just one aspect of the menopausal transition. And I want to say it's, it's not a cure-all. It's not yeah. going to just skate you through necessarily. And things change. And your sexuality will change. Mine became amazing. Um, And I'm very, very fortunate for that. For many women, their sexuality um, can be a struggle. And maybe we should talk about that. Yeah. Do you think that that was just your body? Or was there something about your mindset or your choice of wanting to want to continue your pleasure journey that has made it better for you? through your menopausal time? It's a great question. I think there are two things that have made it so wonderful for me in terms of sex. In other regards, it's been a nightmare. For sex, it's been great. Number one is that I was primed in my sexuality because I've done years and years of Tantra and yoga and Kundalini. I'm a teacher of Kundalini yoga. And so I have my circuitry in place. And what I mean by that is the connection between my brain and my genitals. Mm-hmm. And this is a core piece of my work and what I teach women is how to connect the nerve highways between the brain and the vulva. Mm-hmm. And so I had that in place and I had a lot of education and awareness. So I'm very blessed in that regard. Um, the other thing that really helped me was testosterone. testosterone for sex drive libido and sensation on the clitoris my clitoris started going numb Mm. and this is what happens for many women and i was like oh no (laughs) no way i'm living with that and no woman should ever have to live with that imagine if a man's penis went numb what the medical industry would do (laughs) to resolve that yeah so testosterone really gave me that boost yeah, you mentioned helping people make the connection. What did you say between like neurology and and uh, genitals? Yeah. Um, any tools for that when we're thinking of like tantra? Are there stuff, or do you mean more like the hormone, like testosterone? So we could call it tantra. We could also call it um, mindfulness. Okay. You know, um, so. Anytime you think about a part of your body, like even right now, if you just visualize or imagine your right pinky toe, Mm -hmm. the brain begins to connect with that part of your body because it's where you're placing your attention. So all of the the circuitry, as I call it, the nerve highways Mm -hmm. that come from the brain and connect to the toe begin to fire and light up. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to our genitals, as you know, there's so much shame for women about our vulva. Um, or our whole kind of undercarriage, the the lower triangle of the body. And so we cut that off. We don't think about it. Or when we do think about it, there's shame, embarrassment, disgust, et cetera. But when we begin to love our vulva and think about it all the time and touch it and mindfully and breathe and connect our breath and downregulate our nervous system when we're thinking about it or touching ourselves, then it establishes that healthy connection. Mm-hmm. And so when that connection is well established in your life when you go through the menopausal transition that remains and so if you can be in communication with your vulva instead of in resistance 
or disavowing your sexual centers, then it's going to prime you. It's number one, going to make your sex better instantly. Number two, it's going to help you um, actually upgrade your sexuality in menopause rather than lying through it. You know, like sex is not over at menopause. And even if you're having pain, if you're having dryness, there's so much you can do for that in terms of hormonal suppositories. And also what is necessary is to change the way you have sex, Mm -hmm. to change your lovemaking. And no more can we rush into penetration. If you're partnered with the male or you're penetrated with anything, a tool or an implement or a finger, no longer can you rush into that penetration. There's a whole new ritual that's available for you to warm your body up in a brand new way. And that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting for me. And for some people, I think it doesn't feel exciting, right? It feels um, like work. It feels like, well, now that I have to do all these things, why should I like, I just don't want to do it. Right. And so not that we should convince people that like their pleasure is important and necessary. Like if you've decided that you don't want to experience sex and pleasure anymore, like that's your choice. But I think how do we sort of remind people that just because it takes some work doesn't mean that like you actually aren't interested anymore. Cause I think I hear a lot of people thinking that they just have no desire or whatever. Um, how do we foster this like wanting to want and like that there's benefit to, to pleasure, right? If they, you know, if they choose. Yeah. So I think the core question here is what is the benefit of pleasure? And the beneficiary of pleasure is you Mm -hmm. and how you come online, how you become more powerful, more confident, kind of in the ways that we named earlier. Yeah. And I like to reframe this. So when I talk about sex needs to change and there's just more warm up, more ritual, more mindfulness, more attunement, it's like I say work smarter, not harder. So it doesn't become more elaborate or more burdensome. It looks like taking a long hot bath before you self pleasure or before you make love. It's really attuning to your body in such a loving, mindful, gentle way. And retraining your partner if you're partnered through this transition or your partners if you're having lovers or whatever your situation is in training them in what your body needs and you you might need a foot massage to start mm-hmm. you might need a head scratch yeah. you might need slow dancing to some yummy music and here's the piece that's the opportunity to me is the empowerment to advocate for what your body needs to simply be open to sex And for many women, when they go through this transition, their desire can shift from being spontaneous to responsive. Mm -hmm. Some women are are already wired that way and some become that way during menopause. And so it's less about what makes you horny and what Mm -hmm. makes you want sex and more about what simply opens you and makes you available to being turned on by yourself or your partner. And Many, many women that I work with through this transition, it's it's a specialization of mine right now, will say, I didn't even know that I could get turned on until I got turned on. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't walking around like wanting sex the way that I used to. Mm -hmm. But once the initiation began, my body came online and partnered with me. And it's really an opportunity for us to listen and partner with our body in profound ways. 
Well, like most people or entities, a lot of us just want to be listened to. And so if we can actually listen to our body, I think it, um, I had to say it this way, but like it rewards us in a way that's like, whoa, you listened. Okay. I'm right here. It's true. The body rewards us. And we could say that the body loves us Mm. for that. Mm This episode is sponsored by our friends at Back to the Body. In this episode, we talk a lot about pleasure across the lifespan. Do you want more pleasure in your life? Because it is possible. Our sponsor, Back to the Body, is a sexual wellness retreat for women. Back to the Body hosts these immersive week-long retreats that transport women to beautiful locations where they can express and explore themselves and their pleasure in a nurturing and non-judgmental environment. They also have a cool little tool, their new Back to the Body sexual wellness quiz for women. It is a chance to learn about your unique obstacles to sexual wellness, like what do you want, what's holding you back, and how you can hopefully overcome those barriers. You'll leave knowing the next best steps and what services are out there to support you. Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz. Unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's back to the body, B-A-C-K-T-O-T-H-E, B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is in the episode's description, plus a special discount code for their retreats. Uh, Well, there's so much more we could talk about, but I want people to get connected to you and your resources. So how can folks continue this conversation, hire you, check out the work that you're doing, uh, join your groups, all the stuff? Absolutely. You can pop on over to evaclay.com, E-V-A-C-L-A-Y.com. Maybe that'll be in the show notes. Um, You can certainly follow me on Instagram. I'm just Eva Clay on Instagram. That's easy. And talk to me, send me a message. Thank you so much for joining uh, and for your wisdom. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. You can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Please take a moment to rate and review and check out those advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the show. Eva, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. 